Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. You know, it's so fantastic to see everyone today here in church and whether you're here in the room for the very first time or whether you join us at home, we just want you to know that like, we're so glad that you're here in church with us today and you are so welcome. You know, for the, for the past few weeks, we've been in a bit of a series in church around the topic and simply entitled, What's the Point? And we've just been exploring and looking at some ways that we can do better at different points in our lives. And today, it's my privilege to get to bring us all the last part, the concluding part of that series. And the particular subject matter that we're going to talk about today is something which undoubtedly affects every single one of us in our lives. It undoubtedly comes to every single person who's here and every single person at home and all the people who live all around the globe. It's something that if we pay attention to this thing and if we keep our eye on it, it's kind of okay. But if we don't and we neglect to watch out for this thing, it will literally affect every area of our lives save none. It will literally infiltrate every single area of life. And I'm going to tell you what it is in just a second. But for those of you who don't know me, my name's Dave. I'm just one of the guys on team here at the church. And I'm married to Vicky, who's incredible. She's a a beautiful mum to our baby girl, Elsie, who is two in September approaching. And um, I don't know about you, maybe your experience is different than mine, but if you're a parent in here today and you were expecting your child, various people would say various things to you in order to try and give some best advice and some best practice of maybe their experience of becoming a parent for the first time. And we were no different and people would give us bits of information and bits of sort of advice on how to become good parents. And one of the things that I don't think that anyone correctly conveyed to me or I could even correctly convey to you is that for those first few days and weeks and months of becoming a parent, like tiredness is a real deal. Like it's, it's a real thing. And people said, oh yeah, bank sleep and oh yeah, you know, take, take it easy and get some rest because you're going to need it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fortunately for Vicky and I, um, in, in, in our marriage, like I have always been someone who deals with early mornings and late nights really, really well. Like it never really phased me and all right, I'm lying. Like, I am rubbish. I'm rubbish at late nights and early mornings are like even worse for me. I, I can't deal with it. I'm practically not human until roughly half nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. And I'm kind of like medically unwell. If you wake me up earlier than that, it's a real issue for me. But I wanted, to know, I wanted my wife to know that as we approached parenthood, I wanted her to know that I was all in. So I said to her, the midnight feeds and the nappy changes and the, you know, the whole middle of the night, early hours thing. I want you to know that I've got your back. You can count on me because I am all in. I want access all areas to this, to this parenthood thing. How little did I know how hard it was going to be? But I have to say this. I think Vicky was a little unfair to me because in this day and age that we live in of smartphones and technology and you're never far away from a video camera or a, or a camera or a device that'll just record what's going on. 
Every time, it seems, like for those first few little days and weeks and whatever, every time I would just shut my eyes to just, just have a little bit of rest, a little bit of a comma in the day, she was there with a camera and a video camera recording me and taking images. And, and I just, she says it happens that often that she's now made a folder in her phone literally called Dave Asleep, which is ridiculous. Like, and I wanted to know that this wasn't just a pack of lies, so I wanted to verify the amount of times that she said she saw me asleep, because I was like, no, 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 I remember it. I, I'm all there, I was in. So I think the tech boys have got access to the folder, so let's have a little look at the, um, the Dave Asleep folder. Well, there we are in the hospital. It was a very traumatic business for both of us, not just for mum. And I was just catching a little bit of rest. There's newborn Elsie, all seven minutes of it. <clears throat> and then uh, I went into the next phase of sleep. I just put my head to one side. It was a very traumatic business, and I was there for the whole thing. Okay, so we're at home. I have to get some credit. I was wearing a Convoy of Hope t-shirt, so I was at least flying the flag while I was having some rest. That was after a long journey. In my defence, that was on holiday. That was like, that, that wasn't even a thing. That wasn't baby-related. That was just... Okay, it was in the middle of the day. I just didn't want the sun in my eyes. I wasn't even asleep. And um, yeah, I haven't really got any explanation for that one. I think that was just a pretty boring film. But I realised that they were all just images of me and videos of me sleeping. And I realised that looking at that evidence that's up in front of us, it would seem like I've pretty consistently slept through the first year of my child's life. But what I also know is that Today, I don't just want to talk about tiredness or being a little bit, you know, a bit, a bit tired or a little bit run down. Something that could be remedied with a bit of rest and a good night's sleep. Today, I want to talk about something which is far more severe. And if we're not careful, it can literally like take us out. It can like wipe us out completely. And today, what I want to talk about is around the subject of weariness. Weariness. It could be better described as a, a total low point, a real low point in our lives. The dictionary actually calls um, weariness, among other things, total and complete exhaustion. It's also described as a reluctance to see or do any more of a certain thing. And I think we would all agree that there's probably been times in our lives when we would describe the feelings that we've had as maybe being those that are akin to weariness, that would just be, we've brought ourselves through whatever's happened. We found ourselves in a total low point. And maybe you're even here in the room right now or you're watching online at home and you would say that today you're struggling under the weight of weariness. You're struggling under the weight of a low point. That's just where you found yourself. Because there's certain things in life that will make us tired, like exercise will make us tired, and there's certain things, and you'll just recover because you'll just have a good night's sleep and some rest. But then there's other things which just push us too far. They just take us to the edge. They run us out of where we feel like we're able to cope. They just take us to the edge of ourselves. So what I want to do is just have a look at what are those things that take us too far, the things that are just pushing us to the edge of where we feel we're able to carry on. What take us to a low point? Well, I feel like discord makes the list. I feel like constant arguments and disagreements and problems with other people 
just pushes to the edge. They just drive you to the edge. You know what it's like when you're at odds with somebody for so long and everywhere you go, they are, and there's the problem and it's constantly in your face all the time and it wears you out because you have to remember, like, oh, I've got a problem with that person and you're constantly warring and arguing and it's far easier when they're not there, but when they are, it's just like so full on all the time and you just, it wears you down and it takes your energy. What about health problems? Health problems just wear you out, like constant nagging pain. It's there all the time, wherever it is, and in your arm or your leg or your back or your knee. And you find yourself with the right level of pain control. You find yourself able to like deal with it. Then it wears off. And then you're back to the same thing again and you're reminded of your issue, you're reminded of your problem and you, oh, I've got this thing going on and constantly in your head, you're reminded all the time. Or maybe you've had a, an operation and there's been complications with the recovery or, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe you found yourself like you had a lump or something and then you had it removed and you had some treatment and, but there's another lump and it's come back and now you're in a whole new thing and the whole thing just wears you down. It takes your energy. It makes you weary. It just wears you out. What if it's Instagram, like social media? Like, like what, what if you're just constantly on social media all the time and truth be told, you wouldn't really want to be? Like, you're pretty addicted and you'd love to be able to stop and get off it a little bit because you're just constantly comparing your life with everybody else's highlight reel, and it wears you out, it wears you down. Luke said in week one of this series, we're not designed to cope with that kind of comparison. That, that's not the way God's wired us. We can't constantly compare our every day with somebody else's highlight reel. And you'd love to be able for it to not be like that. You'd love for it to be able to be different, but somehow you just can't get free of it. And every spare second, there you are scrolling through and you're exhausted by it. Financial struggles are probably one of the biggest ones and one of the ones that will get you to the point of the edge quicker than just about any other thing in life. When you're constantly watching your bank balance and with the age of now having your bank account on your phone and just internet banking readily accessible, are you just checking that thing like 10 times a day? or like five times an hour? Are you just on there all the time, wondering when you're next gonna get paid and working out the days and watching the bank account go down and just wondering how you're gonna get food for the next fortnight because you're looking at the number and it's not getting any bigger and it just wears you out, it wears you down, it saps your energy. Or maybe it's grief. Maybe it's grief today after this last 18 months in this pandemic, it, maybe it's just, it's just you're grieving somebody who you've lost or you just found yourself in a place where maybe one of your loved ones has been taken or, <clears throat> you know, a friend who's gone or the feelings of grief just keep on coming back around all the time and you can't get away from it. And everywhere you go, they're on your mind and the feelings don't go away and you find yourself struggling and you find yourself exhausted by grief. So we all get it, like low points are coming to all of us. Low points are happening regardless of who you are. If you're alive and there's air in your lungs, then low points in life are gonna come. They're gonna, they're gonna arrive. But there's low points and then there's being worn out, flattened, exhausted and at the end of ourself when sometimes we've just had enough. And I think the danger is if we live from and work from a position of being exhausted all the time, 
that's a really unhealthy place to live because you'll make more mistakes and you'll then get more frustrated and your tolerance for like work colleagues and even other people, just random people, is reduced and it's not a great place to live from and it's not God's best for us and it's not how he designed us to live and it's not honestly how we would choose to live. So what I wanna look at is how can we, you and I and everyone at home, how can we all negotiate and walk through our Christian lives, trying to be Christ followers, trying to do the best we can, trying to negotiate these days we call our life, how can we do that and avoid all this weariness that can so easily come and take us down? Like, is it even possible that in this fast-paced modern life that we call 2021, is it doable that we can live free of weariness? And that's what I wanna know today. I want to know, how do we avoid living weary? Like, is it even possible? Is it even doable? And if it is, how do we do it? Because it's so key to all of us. It's so key, the information, that if you don't avoid weariness, it literally gets into everything. Because life's busy and we don't have endless empty days, as we've already said. But there's a point that's beyond that that's too much. So how do we avoid it? Well, What's really good for all of us here is that we get to look at other people's lives who've been before us, who've all struggled with exactly the same thing as we struggle with today. And we get to kind of take stock of what they did and read about what they did and apply some of that stuff to our lives because people who've been before us, who knows, nothing ever changes and everyone has always been the same. They've always struggled with the same stuff as we do now. And in the collection of ancient manuscripts and factual documents that we now refer to as our Bible, there's a story that I just wanna have a very brief look at today. And what it is, it's basically just um, a story of how when not one person or one village, but like an entire nation full of people grew weary of waiting for God to do what he said he was gonna do. And they all start moaning and groaning and complaining and they really go down as a nation because they're so fixated on the fact that God's not gonna do what he said he was. So God sends them a messenger. And he sends them this guy to basically go like, hello, McFly, like, uh, this is who you're talking about. Remember who God is? He sends them like a messenger to almost arrest them on the way they've been thinking and the way that they've wrong-placed God. So the guy that he sends to them is called Isaiah, and he talks to them and basically pulls them up on the way they've been living, the way they've been doubting God's gonna do it, and how much they've been moaning and groaning and suffering under the weight of Weariness. So we're going to just jump right in. Isaiah 40 and starting at verse 28. So Isaiah says to the whole nation of Israel, he goes, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They will, they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You will run and not grow weary. Run and will not tire. So Isaiah is here explaining who God is and how he operates. He's almost given them like a bit of a reminder of who it is that they're all doubting. He's saying, guys, I get it. We all get tired. We all get worn out. But God's huge. 
Like he's huge, he's massive. He'll look after you. You've got to remember who it is that you're doubting. Like he's saying, you'll be fine, Israel, the whole nation. You'll be fine. He says, all you've got to do is hope in him, trust in him. But I think that we all need to pay attention to the order that Isaiah talks in because who knows that when the Bible gives us lists of things and when the Bible talks in lists, the order of what's written is important. There's a significance in the order of what's written down. So in verse 28, Isaiah starts by going, okay guys, this is how big God is. Like he says, he's everlasting, he's massive, he's this, he's that, he created everything. In verse 29, he goes, and this is what he does. He gives strength and he gives power to the weak. Then he goes in verse 30 and he says, we're all in this together. Like even the young people, they, even they get weary, even they get tired. So it doesn't matter who you are, we're all in it together. And then verse 31, he says, but Jesus is our hope. God is our hope. So he's given them an encouragement. He's saying he's the one who fixes. He's the one who helps you to run, walk and soar. So he's saying, verse 28, we've got to right size him. We've got to do that first. He's saying, verse 29, he gives blessings. He gives strength and power out. That's what he does. He gives. And then verse 31, he's saying, and we can hope in him. So he's encouraging them to hope in God. And I think the same is true for all of us here. If Isaiah was here right now, he'd say exactly the same thing. He, he, would, he, would, he would teach us and coach us on how to live our lives without weariness in exactly the same way as he spoke to them back there. And I think that he gave them those points in order to navigate their way through. And those points, even though they were applicable thousands of years ago, they're still applicable today. And the first thing I think we've got to remember, which is exactly what Isaiah said to the people of Israel, is we've got to remember to right-size God first. That's the first thing we have to do. If we're going to negotiate life and sidestep weariness and cope better with our low points, we've got to right-size God. Isaiah says in verse 28, do you not know have you not heard? He's saying to them, guys, come on. Like, have you been walking around with your fingers in your ears? You know this. Like, God's huge. You've got, you've got to understand this. Then comes the reminder. He says, the Lord is the everlasting God. Everlasting. He's like batteries that never run out. He's like a Tesla that never needs to go to the charging point ever in its life. He's like, he's huge. He never had a first day. He'll never have a last day. So, so he's always been the same forever. Like he's exactly the same yesterday, today and forever. He's saying God's the everlasting God, which means he lives outside of time and he never ever changes. Then he goes on. <clears throat> he says he's the creator of the earth. So he's like reminding these people, everything you see and everything you don't see he made it all, like this whole thing, yeah, that was him. He speaks and words of life come out of him. He speaks and things happen, like this is the God. He's trying to go, this is the God who you're doubting. Like he's the master architect. He's not a consumer, he's a designer, he's a creative. He, he speaks and things happen, like this, this, this guy is big, this being is huge and you have to understand. And then he says, he will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. God doesn't get tired. 
Like God's never out of energy. We serve a God who's, who's got unbounded energy. Like no one's photographing or videoing God napping. He's never napping. He's never asleep. He's never tired. He's always got energy for you and for me and everything to give out. He's always got that. But when I think about it for just a second and we jump all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, we're told that you and I, we're designed and we're made in the image of God. We're made in his image. So if we're made in his image, that tells me that if he's never out of energy and he's never weary, that tells me that it's entirely possible that you and I can also experience that life without weariness. If that's the image that we're made in, then that becomes possible. I think we've really got to learn to right-size God in our everyday, not just in our problems or in a bad times, but I think if we do that in our everyday, then by the time that the bad times come, and they will sometimes in life, we have highs, we have lows, and we try and live somewhere in the middle, but when the low points come, we'll already understand, we'll already have an understanding of the size of the God that we serve if we learn to do it ahead of time. But if I'm honest, it's probably gonna take a bit of discipline on our part because life's busy. Like we're working long hours and we're busy people and we don't just have endless empty days where we get to just do nothing and just sort of ethereally kind of meditate on God the entire time. Maybe you do and you've just got that kind of time or respect to you, but most people are just busy. Life's fast and with the invention of phones and the internet, we're like on the go 24-7 and I feel like it's gonna take some discipline for us to set aside time in our day to be talking with God and right-sizing him daily over our situation so that when the low points come, we're prepared ahead of time. And a great way to do it is just to speak positive words of life over yourself. Because who knows, there's so much power in the words that we speak. Like, did you know it's possible to speak your way into victory or speak your way into defeat? Like, you can speak yourself into weakness or you can speak your way into success. You can totally do that with the power of your tongue and what you speak over yourself. We read in the Bible, let the weak say, I am strong. We don't read, let the weak like have a party and talk all about how weak they are and talk about how bad everything is. And we don't, we don't read that. We read, let the weak say, I am strong. So we're acknowledging the fact that our words carry power. Every day, it's remembering to put God first. Every day, it's remembering to speak to him about all of the things that we go through in our lives. For example, today you might have a financial issue. You might have a financial thing where there's not enough money coming in and you're struggling and you're low and then you find that like there's a surprise bill which is always the way when you just don't have any there or the car breaks or the washing machine blows up or something and you go on your bank and you look and you're like, ain't gonna happen, nah, not gonna happen. I don't have enough money there, it isn't gonna work, nothing's gonna get fixed, and you've got a choice right there as to what you choose to do with that information. You can go on social media, go on the internet, and you can have a right old rant. You can be like, well, this is just perfect, here's a photograph of it, it's dead, can't believe it, absolutely ridiculous, could have done without this today, hot point, you suck, it's an absolute joke, I am so fed up of like this, this stupid washing machine, it's been the last door. Or you can make a choice to get on your knees and you can go, God, 
I'm so thankful that I serve you and I'm so thankful that even though I didn't see this coming, I'm thankful, God, that you did. And in the same way that I faithfully give to you of my finances, Lord, I'm, I'm choosing to believe that you're gonna make a way where I can't see a way right now because I'm looking at numbers that are too low to afford anything that I'm gonna fix and I'm gonna trust that you're gonna step in on my behalf and I'm so thankful that you're in charge of my life. I'm so thankful that you're bigger than me. God, I'm, I'm gonna put you in control and I'm gonna trust that you're going to make a way where I can't see a way. And I know which way I feel is more magnetic towards God. I think he's going to be attracted to, um, to us, us actually praying and, and believing him more than if we just go on a rant on social media. Bottom line, we've just got to right-size God. That's what we've got to do. The second thing we need to know if we're going to negotiate life without weariness is that we have to remember that God gives strength and he increases power. That's what he does. He gives and he increases. Verse 29 tells us who he gives them to. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Isaiah's saying, how can you guys doubt God? Like he's saying, he's saying, you know perfectly well. He knows your intimate situation. He, he, like, you know perfectly well who he is and what he's aware of and what he's not. How can you possibly doubt him? But we have to understand that God's not got just enough power for himself. He's got enough to be giving power and increasing strength. And we have to know he's given it to people who are tired and people who are weary. Nowhere do we read in the Bible, God gives strength to those who are self-sufficient and can manage on their own. Or God increases the power of those who are absolutely fine without him and can negotiate all their problems and just buy their way out of all their issues. We don't read that. We don't read that those people get anything at all. The people who are quite self-sufficient and quite proud that they can do well without God. What we read is that he helps those who are low and who are weary. So when you struggle and when you find yourself in a low point, that's the time to right-size God and know that he gives increasing strength and power to those who are weak. I mean, sometimes God might just step in and he might just make everything turn out happily ever after. It's not really generally been my experience, if I'm really honest. It, like, he might just wipe the whole slate clean and set you up and you just get to coast on through life. But generally speaking, the way that I have found that God works is he gives you enough strength and he gives you enough power to take one more step for one more day. And then he, the following day, he gives you enough strength and enough power to take another step for another day. And it's that daily rhythm of us going back to God and right-sizing him and allowing us to give, him his, to give us his strength and his power daily that we end up looking back and going, I'm not exactly where I want to be in my future, but thank God that I'm not where I was because he's increased your strength and your power through the rhythm of just keeping on going back to him. And then this is all of us. This is, this is all of us. Verse 30, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. Isaiah's saying, like everyone is susceptible to this. Not just old people or overstretched people or really busy people or people with loads of kids. He's saying it's everyone. We're all susceptible to this. 
if even the young people, the most energetic beings in God's creation, like young men and young women, if even young people can suffer and, and go down under weariness, if even they are affected, then we have to realise we're all in this together. Like, this is all of us. And maybe you're in the room today and you're just like, yeah, I'm just going through some stuff. Like, I am, I am really at rock bottom right now. I found myself at my low point. I am going through some stuff right now. Well, I wanna tell you that God's got what you need. He has got what you need and all you need to do is ask him for it. He, he's there with boundless energy and boundless power to increase your strength and increase your power and help you out. And the only thing you have to do is to ask him for it. I wanna let you know that he never grows tired. And it, it, this isn't all intended for somebody else. And he's not so bored of your situation or bored of you. This means you. So instead of tonight going home or when we finished in church today, going home and just like turning to your chosen route of escapism and maybe like just picking up the remote and smashing Netflix for the rest of the night or going home and just opening that bottle and just going home and doing whatever it is you do to just find some escapism from what's going on, I am encouraging you to take this on board and take what it is that you're weary of and take it to God because he's the one who will and can do exactly what it is that you need him to do. And lastly, the thing that we need to know today, if we're gonna <clears throat> live our lives without weariness and without struggling with this, this whole thing is we have to remember this. We have to remember that God restores those who hope in him. He restores the people who hope in him. We just read in verse 30, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But, verse 31, starts with but. So he's saying it's not like this for everyone. He's saying, he's saying it doesn't have to be like this. He's saying there's another way. He's saying you don't have to live your life weary. He's saying there's a different path. You don't have to take this. He's saying there's a whole group of people who don't need to live like this. He's saying, but what? Carry on, he says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord. Then he goes on, he says, you'll soar on wings like eagles. Eagles, they fly high. They fly really, really high. He says, you also can soar above your problems high. Eagles' eyesight is sharp. They can see everything from up there. He says, he says, you can soar high over your problems. This is you. You can literally do this today. He says, they'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. You'll run and you won't tire. Like, can you imagine your life walking and not growing weary? Doing your days and not tiring? Can you imagine life like that? Like that God breathes his energy into you and you soar over stuff that used to sink you? We get all that when we hope in the Lord. Some translations say, when we wait on God. So, so like, what does that look like? Like, what does it look like to, to wait on God? Like, I, I, like, do you have to go and find a great big G-shaped armchair and sort of like 
lean a shoulder into it? Or, you know, what does it look like to physically wait on God? I think waiting on God looks like not just giving it time, like not just going, okay, well, I've said a quick prayer, now I'm just going to give it time, now I'm just going to wait. You don't just give it time. It's like it's living with a confident expectation that God's going to show up and actually do something for you. Like he's physically going to show up and he's going to do it because you know the size of God that we pray to. You know the size of God that we serve. He's massive. He made everything. It's talking with him daily. It's waiting on him. It's asking him and then believing that he's actually going to do it. It's having a faith and a trust inside of you that says, I know who you are and I know what you can do and I'm believing that you're going to do this for me. That's what waiting on God looks like. It's when we refuse to run ahead of him or go around him and make all of our own decisions. It's when we just choose to put him in the driving seat and we go, God, whatever your will is for my life, I'm believing that you're going to make this situation turn out well for me. Isaiah called on people to wait on God to solve their problems. And I think he'd say the same to all of us, regardless of what you're going through. I think he would say, if you wait on God, he's gonna help you to soar, to run, or maybe today, just to take one more step, and just to walk. Because maybe today, you don't know what your next step is. Maybe today you're so low and you're so flattened and you're so exhausted and out of energy because of what it is that you're going through that you don't know what your next step's gonna be. And maybe you're here and you're looking at me and you're going, well, it's all right for you because, well, look at you. You look like you've got it all together. Like you've got all this info and everything's okay. And you look like you're doing all right to me. You know, you've got your wife and you've got your baby and you look like you're doing okay. Well. I'm here to tell you today that it wasn't always like this and I get it and I know what you've been through and I know some of the things that you're going through and I get it. You know, 11 years ago in May, just gone, I lost my dad very quickly and very suddenly. He got diagnosed and I remember the day that he got diagnosed and he was told on the same day that there was no treatment option available. He was told that this is your allotted time. He was said, they was told six months. That's how long you've got and we can treat some stuff and we can give you maybe slightly longer and we can stretch out your six months and we can probably get you closer to a year, but it's gonna be a bad year. It's gonna get rough. So he was a trooper and he just said, no, if I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and I'll do the six months and can you manage my pain? And they said, yeah. And then I remember where I was when I got the phone call. I remember him telling me and he said, it's really bad, you know. I've got six months. I've always been the type of person who's been able to fix things and I've always been able to like do stuff and find a way around and I'll, and I'll do some reading and I'll do some learning and I'll fight some stuff and I'll make it happen. But five and a half months later, no matter how hard I fought, no matter how hard I kind of decided that it wasn't going to be this way and it's 2020 and whatever the year was, 2010, sorry, and it can't be like this. Five and a half months later, he went to be with God. And I felt exactly the same as a lot of you felt maybe when someone who you loved and respected and you never really envisaged life without them, maybe when you lost them and I was pretty broken. But if I'm really honest, like God was great 
God was incredible. And he caused there to be a break between me and the horribleness of what had happened. It's lasted until this very day right now. And I was walking really closely with God until kind of life returns to normal again. And I was in a sales job at the time and I went back into work. And then I just found that each day I was kind of like struggling with stuff that I never really struggled with before. And my concentration would wane and I would, I would have problems trying to negotiate issues that previously were absolutely no issue for me at all and I found I had a short fuse and I found I was just getting angry and frustrated over the most simple of things and then one day it all just came to a head and I was at home and I just knocked over a drink nothing more than that and I just lost it I was so annoyed and so angry at myself for like staying in the carpet that I just started to pound into the concrete floor I was so angry, I was just so angry. And it started to pound into the concrete floor. Both hands just repeatedly pounding into the concrete. And after a good few minutes, just found it was just bubbling up out of me. When I stopped and I looked at my hands, my hands were bruised, twice their normal size, cut, swollen. I was convinced that I'd smashed every bone in my fingers and my knuckles and my wrists on both hands and I was in an absolute state. And I ended up in A&E that night, having all my hands and arms x-rayed and having them all bandaged up and all put back together again. And that night in the hospital, that was my low point. That was me at rock bottom. Nothing could have come along to make me feel any worse than I felt in that moment. But then I had a friend who turned up in the hospital that night and he turned up and he didn't tell me he was ashamed of me, which I deserved. And he didn't tell me how much I'd let him down, which I deserved. He just said, I'm gonna see you strong again. I'm gonna work with you through this. I'm gonna be alongside you. We're gonna get you strong again. It's gonna start with getting you back talking to God because although I hadn't realized it, I'd stopped waiting on God. I'd stopped right-sizing him. I'd got so preoccupied with all of my issues that I was making all my own choices, all the wrong ones, making all the wrong choices, making a right mess of it. He knew I was totally at the end of myself that night in the hospital and he committed to walking me through it. And there's a very short story that I read recently that just reminds me of that story. I'm very quickly gonna read it to you now. This guy's walking down a street when he falls in a hole and the walls are so steep and he can't get out. And a doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, hey, you up there, can you help me? I'm stuck in this hole and I can't get out. And the doctor writes a prescription. He throws it in the hole and he moves on. Then a priest comes along and he shouts, hey, Father, can you help me? I'm stuck in this hole and I can't get out. And the priest writes out a prayer. He throws it in the hole and he moves on. And then a friend walks by. And he shouts, hey, Joe, it's me. I'm stuck in this hole. Can you help me out? And the friend jumps in the hole with him. And our guy goes, what are you stupid? Like we're both stuck down here now. And he just puts a hand on his shoulder and he says, it's okay, because I've been down here before and I know the way out. And my friend that night, he knew the way out of where I was and he committed to walking me through life forwards from that point. And when I look back, I go, I'm not where I wanna be yet. But thank God I'm not where I was because that night, my friend, who's now my boss, 
who now employs me as part of this church family and I get to speak to you guys on a stage which I love I love everyone that comes to the church and I'm married and I've got a beautiful wife and I've got a healthy baby and I've got a house and I've got all these things that I know that God's blessed me with and he's blessed me with those things because he's good not because I deserved it but because I was busted and then I found my way back to waiting on God again and I opened up communication with him and I don't say that to say how great am I I say it to say if he did it for me he can do it for you too whatever's breaking you whatever's taking you out and taking you down I'm beseeching you give it to God I'm asking like you've got to talk to God about it I can't be a bigger advocate of just taking it to him and waiting on him and right sizing him and making it all about him and I don't know today what your low point is I don't know what you're struggling with today but I do know that he has the answer when we right size him he gives us his strength and his power and he restores us when we wait on him. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.